0: I think we all have to reframe what's too good to be true, because if you are used to punching the clock and trading time for dollars, when you hear that someone made a hundred thousand dollars with an Amazon store or in, on working from home, of course, in your paradigm, you don't know anyone who makes money that way. So, unless they said, "I got a job here, I got promoted, I moved up," everything is going to sound almost. Quote unquote, too good to be true. So I think you have to look at the principles of money making and say, you know, okay, the way this person made money, did it have leverage, time leverage, people leverage? Were they, was it one to many? You have to kind of study wealth principles and say, Okay, in that industry, that makes sense. If you're investing, your money can work 24 hours. It doesn't get tired. It doesn't get sick. It doesn't take vacations. So, okay, it is possible to make that number. So, I think first you have to reframe what's possible.
1: This is the Angles of Latitude podcast, session number 182 with stock market coach Jason Brown.
2: What you're about to hear is the integration of life. Clarity is power. If you live each day as if it was your last, someday you'll most certainly be right. Liberty. We choose to go to the moon. It's happening. And all things geek. Yeah, I'm not sure I know how to answer that. Uh, You got a badass over here. Welcome to the Angles of Latitude podcast.
1: And Welcome back to the show, everyone. I'm your host, JC Preston, connector of amazing people and great ideas. And In this session, I'm joined by Andy Dix, professional coach and host of the Hopeful Hoosier podcast. If this is the first time you're listening in, this is, of course, the show where we bring you life lessons or a message from successful entrepreneurs, experts, athletes, and artists so that you too can find and execute your own personal mission and live a lifestyle that you're proud of. As I'm recording this intro, it's a great day if you're in the stock game at all, and chances are you heard of the Tesla and Apple stock splits today, and if you had the extra cash, it would have been a great time to get in on the market. It probably still is as I'm publishing on Tuesday. Personally, I'm only so deep when it comes to the stock market and then paper assets because much of what Robert Kiyosaki has taught over the years is about really just focusing in realty. And traditionally, he's not been a huge proponent of the stock market. And in fact, he says that if uh, you might not wanna get too involved if you really don't know what you're doing. So, you know, I've spent more time learning about other means of passive income. Uh, However, through Pat Flynn, uh, one of his live streams, I connected with today's guest, Jason Brown, and what Jason helps people do uh, just simply blows my mind. And while I know there's other people in the stock market coaching space, he's the first one that I've had the pleasure of meeting. So in this session with Jason, we'll be finding out why he believes all financial education is good, if certain personal traits are better than others when it comes to starting in the stock market game, and how someone can convert their current business profits into other revenue streams. But before we get there, let's talk about Connected. And truth is, creating leads can be a daunting practice. And even worse, many leads that we as business owners get might not be the best fit for our services. So the smart business owner will leverage a network like LinkedIn and use it to search for specific people to connect with and to potentially serve. Problem is, it doesn't really matter what platform you're using. There can be a substantial amount of manual labor to engage with prospects to even get them to the point where they're ready to jump on a call with you. So that's where sales funnels come into place. But what if you don't want to use ads? Because as we know, you can have ads on LinkedIn, Instagram, and Facebook these days. What if you're actually more of a direct messaging kind of person? If you are and you're currently using LinkedIn for making actual business connections, then Connect is definitely something that you want to check out. Connected is a tool which allows you to automate the early engagement process that went, so that when someone actually has a discovery call with you, they're already interested in what you're up to. You can check it out by heading over to newinceptions.com connected, that's spelled K-E-N-N-E-C-T-E-D, and from there you'll be able to check out the demo and what it can do for you. And be sure to use that link because it'll save you $500 on your onboarding fee if you choose to sign up. In fact, send me an email and I'll be sure to verify with Devin, the CEO, that you get the lower price. So again, that's newinceptions.com slash connected. And remember, you can check out the interview with its founder, Devin Johnson, at newinceptions.com slash 171. Also remember, you too can get into today's conversation, tag us on social media as well as leave a review or comment wherever you listen to the show. Doing so will not only help you get involved, but it will help other people find the show as well. In fact, if you leave a review on Apple Podcasts, which is, of course, the native podcasting app for iPhones these days, I'll be sure to read it in an upcoming session. And while you're at it, subscribe to the show on whichever platform you're listening in on. That way you'll know whenever a new episode is released. Also remember, if you need help in scaling your business the right way, drop us a message at newinceptions.com with any of your questions. Uh, whether you need an advice or a strategic introduction to other amazing people, we love to help our listeners in any way that we can. Show notes and show note extras of the show can be found at newinceptions.com 182. And as always, I'll be on at the end of the show to fill you in on anything we might have missed. And we're back. I'm your host, JC Preston, alongside Andy Dix, professional executive coach and host of the Hopeful Hoosier podcast. Andy, how are you doing today, man?
2: I am super,
1: JC. Uh, would you like to play a game? Would you like to play a game? I th- isn't life all about games? <laughs> <laughs> it is. So
2: I've got a little trivia for you. Three questions. Let's see how you do. And we'll call this Stump the Host. So the first question is, and it's multiple choice for ease. When was the first publicly traded company, and was it 1502, 1602, or
1: 1802? What do you think? Mm, 1602.
2: 1602 is correct. And and for bonus points, do you know what the company was?
1: I uh, maybe something to do with. Uh, Trade on the ocean? I don't know. Oh, no. You are so good. You are correct. It is. It was the Dutch East
2: India Company and it was publicly traded because they found out that, you know, if you were investing in individual ships, there was an over 30% chance that the ships would be pirated. And so you'd lose your whole investment. But if you invested in the company instead of the individual ship and the company had multiple ships over a number of years, You would still get good consistent results because, you know, only 30%, 70% of the ships would come back. So there you go. That's where we got started. All right. Now here, since you're on a roll, what was the first business type to host the stock exchanges?
1: Oh, I'm going to almost have to divert this one to the guests. I have no idea. That's a stock exchange. Well, you know. Oil? I, No.
2: People used to meet in coffee shops to exchange stocks, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. coffee shops. And so they'd write the little order on a piece of paper. Where where the exchange, okay, got it. Yeah, where was the exchange? Yeah, yeah. So in coffee shops, we've come a long way from there, (laughs) obviously. Now, last one, last question here. And that is, when was the first
1: U.S. stock exchange established and where? Hmm. First one, not New York. I would say you can't say DC, so like maybe like Richmond or Virginia or
2: somewhere like that. Well, you're in the right
1: neighborhood. Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. So, yeah.
2: In seventeen ninety. Hmm. Yeah. And wow. and then the New York Stock Exchange came into existence in eighteen seventeen. And and that's been, you know, kind of the the hallmark exchange in the US. The Dow Jones Industrial Average of 30 stocks came into existence in 1885. So people have been investing in the market for a long, long time. But one thing that hasn't changed a lot is that, you know, it is still somewhat viewed as a risky investment. But that brings us to our guest today, right?
1: Yeah. And, you know, that's when when it comes down to developing a passive income portfolio, if it were. You know, one of the things that I've been and trying to do is change my overall perspective on, on what money really is. And is it actually money? Is actually a currency? And interestingly, I've been i have learning about it and developing wealth a, as a whole. Um, I'm meeting greater and more interesting and well connected people, such as today's guest. And I was, I've also been making it a point to listen to or re listen to classics in the self improvement space. And one of the, such book I listened to recently was the science of getting rich by Wallace Waddles. And it was one of those books that, you know, I've been putting off forever and now I'm probably going to refer to it. I would say almost as much as rich dad, poor dad. It was, it was, that is like, Oh, that's such a basic concept that it's like kind of a no brainer, but it isn't, it's not common knowledge. So um, yeah, definitely a great book. And in that book specifically, there's two concepts that that Wallace gets into that he doesn't really call them as such, but these are what I know them as. First of all, is a law of attraction, and and two is specifically the B quadrant. And if you're a fan of the Rich Dad series, you know that the B quadrant is all about leveraging your network to develop income. And, 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 And for a lot of people, while it's not limited to these, it means becoming maybe an influencer, developing a SaaS platform, or simply rocking it, and like an MLM uh, company and all of these are examples of, of people that we've had on the show talking about and explaining how, you know, they've come to, from essentially nothing to where they're at. However, there's, there's also the I quadrant, which is all about investing and making your money work for you. And we've, we've hosted a, a couple of real estate people over the years to explain their own takes on what that all means as well. But one thing that we haven't been able to really get into is investing in the stock market. And this is one of the things, again, that a lot of people know about, but they really don't have the basic understanding to make it actually work for them. So today we have Jason Brown of the Brown Report on with us to explain some of the mysteries of the stock market. Since he was 19, Jason has been pulling at the stock market threads and has unraveled all kinds of knowledge and trading strategies. It's his hope that his approach Will give those who follow him the right education and guidance to do what he's done. Welcome to the show, Jason. How you doing? I'm
0: fantastic, and uh, thanks for having me, guys. I'm excited to be here.
1: Yeah, and this is this is really interesting conversation to me because you know I've heard about day traders, I've heard about you know stock options and all these different things. I'm gonna completely come at this conversation as if I'm a complete newbie, which I'm pretty close to. Again, you know, I again I invest in the long term, so day trading and all these different things, whether that's even what you do. I don't know. I don't know. I'm I'm a complete noob when it comes to this. So let's actually start with your story and that you were 19 when you wanted to make an extra $50 a week. Now, from my own experience, doing what you do isn't the first thing that would come to my mind when I wanted to make a quick buck. If, you know, if I was a 19 year old myself right now, uh, I'd probably go to some surplus store or Remage sale and flip an item on eBay or any of you know on any of the apps that are online today. You know, someone co- actually call that the Gary V approach. And so, my first question is, what made you choose to play with the stock market in the first place?
0: Yeah, so great question. When I when I think back to my younger self and why I picked the stock market, it. You know, I really needed something that I didn't have to physically work harder for or put any additional, you know, time into from a physical labor standpoint. So my whole goal, I was making $8 an hour working at Sprint PCS. And on the weekend or Saturday, $8 an hour for an eight-hour shift, it was $64. And when you take taxes out, it was about $50. And so I said, man, if I could figure out a way to make $50, then I wouldn't have to work Saturdays. And so that was the whole game plan. And I had $500 in my bank account, so to speak. And then the company I worked for, Sprint, the stock was $5. And so I just thought I don't need it to move, you know, some astronomical amount. I don't need it to move $50. I just need to move 50 cent. And that was so reasonable to me. I said, can this stock move 50 cents? That's all I'm asking for. And I thought that was reasonable. So that's what, you know, kind of led me into getting into the stock market. And it did move
1: 50 cents.
0: (laughs) Absolutely.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, what, what do you remember? Like what the kind of the, 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 the sense of how you even did that, like how did you even put the money into it? Because a lot of people, you know, they're like, well, I have to be a member of Merrill Lynch or something like that to even, you know, put money into the the stock market. How did you, what did you use as your first tool there?
0: Yeah. So I always like to say there's a story before the story. So the story before the story that we didn't touch on is that when I was 18, uh, I took $2,000 to uh, a well-known bank. I won't mention the bank's name. And I said, I want to invest. And the lady just said, you know, what's your goal? I said, I want to be rich. Like, what other goal is there to have? And <laughs> right. she said, "So you want aggressive funds?" And I said, "Sure." That made sense. I guess I'm young. I want aggressive funds. And then when I came back, my two thousand dollars had actually decreased down to seven hundred dollars. And I was like the best and worst time of my life because it took me forever to get two thousand. I think I saved some of the money from high school graduation. And so what happened in that moment was I said. I come to the professionals because I thought the quote unquote professionals don't lose money. And so once I realized that they lose money too, I said, I could lose my own money if that's the case. I'm not gonna pay you to lose my money. And so Mm. I just was had this mindset that I could do this myself. So that's the story before the story. So I had seven hundred dollars left. Then I spent two hundred dollars. I probably went shopping or something just to make me feel better. So that's how I actually ended up with the five hundred dollars that was left. So My first experience was trying to get someone else to do it for me. They lost me money. Then I was like, I you know I could open up an online brokerage account. I was just familiar with it because I had already had a account with them. And so I just opened up an online brokerage account, and I said, I can I can pick the stock myself. And so that's that's what really led me to open my own account and, and pick the stock and like most people do right you pick the company you work for so the company <laughs> i work for the stock happened to be five bucks it was like right up my alley <laughs> nice yeah yeah And or or the
1: company that you have a lot of you know faith in and for me you know i've seen the 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 crazy rocket of what's been tesla in the last five years you know and it's just like yeah and there's nothing wrong with, you know, starting with a company that again, you either work for and have an interest with and, and, and or one, you're just a, a complete fan of. Um, absolutely. You know, so one of the things that I mentioned at the beginning of the show was that I, I recently listened to Wallace Waddle's book and I've been a fan of Kiyosaki for, for a bit. And, you know, Robert actually says there's five parts of developing our financial IQ. He says, you, you got to know how to make money. You need how to protect your money. You know how to budget, leverage your money, and improve your financial information regularly. Let me ask you, over time, who or what have been your go-to sources for raising your own financial IQ?
0: So similar to, you know, you, I I, I listen to, I have like the whole set of Kiyosaki on audio, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, Rich Kid, Smart Kid. I think I have Cashflow Quadrant. I think there's another one I have. What the what the rich teach their kids that the poor don't. I think I have like at least four um, <laughs> of his uh, DVDs, which you know are now MP3s and stuff. So right. that was one of my go tos because he really started to open my mind up to just understanding how business works and seeing money around you. How he tells the story about the kids um, working in the store for free, and so. That was my go-to. Another go-to for me was Think and Grow Rich. So mm. that mm-hmm. that book just really opened my mind up to being conscious of my thoughts and being conscious of the energy that I put out into the world. So from a mindset standpoint, and those were the two. From an investment standpoint, I had bought a book. I, you know, I don't know the name of it now. It was years ago. It was called like How to Day Trade, or it might have been a. I don't think it was a Dummies book because I would have remembered the yellow. Book cover, but so it wasn't the dummies book, but it was some type of how to day trade book, and I, I, you know, I read that. I just picked up one nugget for it from it. Then uh, I end up just kind of being self taught. You know, I would look at books, I would look at PDFs, I would just anything I get my hands on that was free because I didn't have a lot of money. And then I eventually paid about four. I went to like a weekend seminar at like a hotel. Mm-hmm. about investing back when that was a thing. <laughs> and so, <laughs> you know, I just, like I w- three months ago. No, <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Way before COVID-19. And so I went to about two or three of those. And so about at the third one, I would pick up something from each one. Cause I didn't have the money to join. And by the time I think I went to the third one, I I didn't have the money, but I put the course on like a credit card. And I just said, these guys can't be selling something. They can't be selling something for $4,000 and teaching nothing. So I mm-hmm. said, I'm going to learn something. I just didn't know what I was going to learn. So I bought their course. By the way, this was after, this was after I had already made about six figure in the stock market. But I had made money, then lost money, made it back. And then I was like, maybe I should take a course to make sure I really know what I'm doing. And so then I bought my first Four thousand dollar course, and then it just literally got to a point where I felt like I was as smart as the people who were teaching, and I thought, why don't I, you know, launch my own business and see if I can teach people my way, my methods? And so that was like the transition for me.
2: Hmm. You know, there there are plenty of people advertising um, some that almost are too good to be true programs for day trading and and investing. And and then there are others that are very legitimate. And it sounds like you've kind of sampled as well as created your own. So for our listener, how does someone evaluate and know what is good and a and a good investment in financial
0: education versus the ones that are are maybe not as good? So my philosophy on education is all education is good education, even if you have a bad experience. So when I bought that course and I said to myself, if these guys are a scam, I'm going to know what a $4,000 scam looks like. So I was like, at least (laughs) the next scam will have to be $5,000 because I know what a $4,000 scam looks like. So that was my mindset that I was going to learn something, even if I learned what not to do or what a bad course looked like. So I think first people just have to be open to understanding that even in what may seem like a bad situation or information that you still can learn from it. That's number one. Number two, I think we all have to reframe what's too good to be true because if you are used to punching the clock and trading time for dollars, when you hear that someone made $100,000 with an Amazon store or working from home, of course, in your paradigm, you don't know anyone who makes money that way. So, unless they said, I got a job here, I got promoted, I moved up, everything is going to sound almost quote unquote, too good to be true. So I think you have to look at the principles of money making and say, you know, okay, the way this person made money, did it have leverage, time leverage, people leverage, Were they, was it one to many? You have to kind of study wealth principles and say, okay, in that industry, that makes sense. If you're investing, Your money can work 24 hours. It doesn't get tired. It doesn't get sick. It doesn't take vacations. So, okay, it is possible to make that number. So I think first you have to reframe what's possible. And then then I think you have to ask yourself, do I resonate with this person's style? You know, it's a, a big portion of it is, is this person speaking your language? Do they teach in a way that you understand? And those are just some basic things you can do to disseminate, should I pull out the credit card and should I go forward with it? Because I don't care how good the information is. If they don't teach it in a way you understand, or every time the person speaks, you can't stand their voice, you don't like their personality, <laughs> you, the information is not going to land on you like it should anyway. So those are just some basic criteria that I think everyone should you know, use to determine when they pick a course. But you never really know until you just cut the check and get in there and find out what's behind the wall. You know, ask if they have some type of demo. Some, you know, like on our site, we have like a behind-the-scenes video. All that stuff can help, but you still never know until you cut the check. And you still have to be open to the fact that you can cut the check, and you still might not get a hundred percent of what you need. But just know that you're going to get something out of that experience.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: I think that's a, a great point. It's
2: an investment, one way or the other, and and investing. Not every investment Investment gets you the kind of returns that you want, but what's the break even on it, right? Uh, and knowledge of break even is pretty pretty low most of the time because every lesson is pretty valuable. Uh, in more generic terms, um, since you've established a successful business, can you sort of describe for our listener your personal business model and the various revenue streams you've built around this financial investing education platform?
0: Yeah, so. I did a, I did a YouTube video called my eight streams of income, uh, but I'll share a few of them with you here and how I built it around the business. So, so number one, I do YouTube videos and give away free information. You always have somebody that says I can't afford it, et cetera. And that's my way of giving back and, and reaching those people um, to just share free information. So there's YouTube ad revenue. So I get paid for when YouTube shows an ad in front of my, my, my videos, So that's one stream of revenue. My bigger stream of revenue is my membership and courses. So we sell courses from anywhere from, you know, as low as $299 up to $7,000. And so that's a form of revenue, one-time purchases for courses. But then I also have my membership where you get access to a certain collection of courses, but you also get access to me in a group setting. So every week, I'm looking for real trades with my real money because I would be looking for trades anyway. I'm a real options trader. I'm not just teaching it, but I don't do it. Um, I'm putting money to work for myself. And so you get to see what I'm looking at, what I'm thinking about buying, how I analyze it, when I'm thinking about getting in, when I'm thinking about getting out. And so it just made sense to build a membership around it because people would buy my course and then they would say, well, how can I follow what you're doing? And then I just bundled it all into a membership. And then, man, that's just been, uh, you know, a beautiful thing for us. So those are the three primary ways that we make money. YouTube, ad revenue, course sales, and then membership.
1: That's that's interesting. And again, a lot of what you're doing there is, again, it's just amusing to me. I wanted to say amusing, but just fascinating to me how you kind of have gone backward than a lot of people go and, you know, people will move from, you know, going back to the rich dad, poor dad stuff. They'll go from the S to the B to the I, but you've gone from getting into the I Mm -hmm. using that as your S more or less, and then building a a, a B quadrant business on that, which is, it's not like totally unheard of, but it's not normally the route of, of going. Right, yeah, I started. I went straight to the eye <laughs> <laughs> so let's uh let's pretend that you know again that i'm I'm a complete novice, and I don't know anything about what you do. first off, why do I really even need to look into the passive income in general?
0: yeah, so there's just wealth principles that are tied to passive income, you know particularly with the stock market. I'll say why someone would need to look into the stock market is I can compare it to any industry and almost every industry it smokes every time. So some people will say, you know, you can become a millionaire from real estate. No doubt. You can become a millionaire doing anything. But when I take the stock market and I take real estate and I put them side by side, I say there's a strategy that I call my rental income strategy where you can buy a stock and then rent it out every single month. And so, what I love about that is you get the same benefits of a rental property, except you have no tenants, no roof, no leaky faucets to fix. Um, people say, "Well, I'm in real estate. I do wholesaling. I find a deal and then I wholesale it to someone else." We in, inside the stock market, that's just buying a call option and selling it, or that's just buying low and selling high. Um, so you can take that same principle, and you don't have a physical property that's sitting. You don't have a physical property that you need insurance on or anything like that. And so, you know, I think about getting into a restaurant, right? It's like if mm-hmm. I were to buy a McDonald's, I can only make money on that street corner. And so I want it to be in an industry where I can make money, you know, no, you know, no matter where I was at in the world. And so when you think about all the benefits of being in the stock market, you can make money around the clock. You can make it from anywhere in the world. You don't have as much as the liabilities as any other business. And the real startup cost is the information and having some capital to actually get into the game. So mm-hmm. there's just a ton of reasons why the stock market. And then if you think about it big picture, everyone ends up in the stock market one way or another. If they don't, my question would be, how do you plan to retire? Because <laughs> your money ends up in a 401k, a IRA, a 403b, some way, somehow you and our all, all roads lead back to the stock market or the company you work for is a publicly traded company. And you should understand how their stock works to know if you're getting ready to get laid off or not, because some of that stuff is tied to how well the stock is doing. You can tell how well the company's doing. So almost every road, I don't know a road that doesn't lead back to the stock market. So if our roads lead to it, you might as well learn how it works. There's no avoiding it.
1: Mm, love that. So- Again, I'm kind of like, okay, so beginning from from square one, and I'm sure that you have videos that on YouTube that explain, you know, here's, here's, here's chapter one, chapter two, etc, etc. But what are some of the keywords that, you know, someone that's first starting should be paying attention to like day trading, option trading, stock market tips? I mean, what's what's out there?
0: So typically, anything with the word "beginners" attached to it is a good way to search. You know how how to get involved with the stock market for a beginner, how to buy stock for a beginner, how to trade options for a beginner. If you're totally new, just throw the word "beginner" at the end of any search term, <laughs> and uh, that's a you'll probably find all the videos geared towards you. So that's a good place to start. If you're looking for more like a blueprint of what to, what you should learn when you're getting started, you want to. Number one, understand the terminology of the stock market. It it does no good if I say, you know, this stock is bullish and you're like, what, why are they talking about animals? So you need to understand (laughs) the terminology first. Second, you need to understand how to read stock charts because there's patterns within the chart. So those are the first two things you need. And then third, you need to learn how to use options to limit your risk or supercharge your results. That's how I teach. And so. If you can learn those three things, everything else is more about personality. When you say, should I be a day trader, swing trader, that's more personality. Do you like getting in and out of stuff in a day? You're still going to need to understand the language, how to read a chart, a daily chart or a minute chart, and then you're going to need to know how to limit risk. If you're like, I'm long-term, no problem. You still need to understand fundamentals and the language. You still need to understand how to read a long-term chart to spot a long-term trend. And you still need to learn how to protect your income. So what I teach, you need to learn it, or whether I teach it or not, the bottom line is you need to learn those three things. And then it's more about adapting it to your style, day trading, short-term swing trading, options trading, Forex, Um commodities, or just long-term investment. Even if it's your IRA or your 401k, there are trends and percent returns that you need to look at to make sure they have your money in the right place. So the foundational things you need to learn, they apply across all categories and styles of trading. So some people confuse a style of trading for learning principles of trading. Mm, there are yeah. principles you need to know no matter what your trading style or investment style is.
2: You know, there's there's this term called the animal spirits, where sort of the emotions kick in and people start moving, usually in the wrong direction, um, as opposed to the market. And what do you think are those personal character traits you were talking about earlier that are so important for someone who, who wants to really get involved in this as more than just uh, a hobby or sort of recreation. And they want to view it as one of their uh, primary revenue streams for their income.
0: Well, there's two main characteristics that drive all behavior when it comes to money and business, and that's fear and greed. And so everyone will have to evaluate what are they scared of when it comes to You know, because there's an opportunity to lose money, but why does that scare you? If if I said, hey, if you were walking down the street and a dollar fell out of your pocket and and you lost it, would that scare you? Most people would say no, it wouldn't. You know, I lost a dollar, it sucks, but okay. But when it comes to putting five thousand, ten thousand into the market, they're scared of losing it, and so we we have to evaluate. Why does money control us to the point of fear? Or why does a certain dollar amount control us to the point of fear um, versus $1 versus $5 or $10,000? So that's one characteristic that we have to examine. The other one is greed. Jason, before you go on, though, I, Mm
2: -hmm. I think that's really important. Tell me a little bit more about that in your experience in teaching others. Answer your own question for us. Why does fear drive those people like that?
0: So the answer that I've come up with or that I've seen, in, at least in my life, and but I've seen that it applies to most people, is because most people don't have their financial house in order. And what I mean by that is you're only scared or a slave to money to the degree that you owe somebody. So let me put it this way. Most people are afraid of losing their job. Why? It's not because they love their job but they are afraid that they won't be able to pay their car note, their house note. They won't be able to send their kids to whatever school. So when you take owing people out of the equation and say, I don't owe anybody, I don't owe on my car, I don't owe on my house, it gives you the ability to remove the fear because you know that when you lay down at night, your basic needs, which is food and shelter, are gonna be taken care of. And so I think a lot of people fear because they owe people, they're deep in debt on credit cards, they bought a car that they can't afford, they over leveraged to get a certain house. And so that translates to fear, fear of it being taken away from them, You know, fear of societal pressures, what are my friends gonna think if you know I get put out of my house or have to move back home with my mother? And so I think that's a big, one of the biggest drivers of the fear. So you're saying not
2: just the fear of losing the money that I'm investing, but also the fear of if I lose that money, then maybe I'm going to be losing my car home. And I'm also going to lose my respect of my family or friends because they felt like I wasn't wise and made a risky gamble in the market. Is that what I'm hearing?
0: Yeah, absolutely. And that's, that's, that's what drives most people. And so trying to get on the other side of that fear is getting to a place where you don't care what other people think, getting to a place financially to where you can afford to take a calculated risk. And if it doesn't work out for you, it doesn't change your current lifestyle. And once you can kind of master those things, you can get into a place where you can conquer the fear. Mm -hmm. That's good. What other
2: trait, maybe one more that you think is really important Mm -hmm. that identifies somebody that can probably handle and tolerate doing this on a day-to-day basis?
0: if I would depict someone who can handle and tolerate it, it would, it would be somebody that's disciplined. So this, this industry is not for the undisciplined. It's not for the person who, uh, you know, doesn't want to study the charts. It's not for the person that doesn't want to put in the work. Um, those people will get chewed up and spit out if they don't want to put in the work in this industry. And so it takes discipline to delay current gratitude or to delay enjoyment for a reward later. It takes discipline to look at stock charts. It takes discipline to close a trade out that maybe when you're up, um, maybe when you're up 100% and you're thinking it can go higher, but it takes discipline to say, this was my number and I hit it. I have to be okay with it going higher without me. All of those things takes discipline. And so a disciplined person is one that will succeed, and a person that lacks discipline is one that will be getting a rude awakening. Because the moment they start to have some success in this industry, it will undoubtedly be taken away from them because they don't have the discipline. to they might have had some luck to get them there, but they don't have the discipline to keep them there. Hmm. Hmm. Good stuff. Yeah. So.
1: Again, there's a lot of different strategies that are out there, and you, as you just said, there's 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 different ways of 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 doing an in, investing, whether it's lo- the long haul, the you know the data trade or or whatever. Um, what do you think makes your process work specifically for you and and for
0: others? So I think what makes my process work is. I t- number 1 when you think about investing it's just it's just a co- it's just a collaboration of finding value finding your risk reward level and then putting capital to work at a risk reward level that you're willing to accept no matter what the outcome is and so what we teach is not necessarily about making money this thing isn't about making money making money is the result of being good at identifying the best times to buy, the best time to sell. And you combine that with the low risk time to to take that that purchase and the the best time to get out. And so I teach risk versus reward because sometimes people think about the stock market and they think, "Uh, I'll join your course or your community if I never lose any money. And I say, this is never about not losing money. It's about taking the risk to where number one, you're right seven out of ten times. That's what we teach people. They say when, I, when how do you know when you're ready for real money? I say you take ten trades or investments when you're right seven out of ten times or you're net profitable. So what does that mean? You can lose money seven times, but I need to make sure when you if you got a five thousand dollar account, I want you to lose no more than two hundred those seven times and maybe you lost fourteen hundred. But on time number eight, you make 2000 And then time number nine, you make 1500 So you're net profitable. And that's the name of the game. It's not about, I don't ever want to lose. You will lose money. You just need to make sure when you lose, you lose small. And when you're right, you're right big. And the best way to do that is to identify when's the best time to take those calculated risks and making sure when you take that risk. I'm taking it because I can make $10, but if I'm wrong, I can lose $3. That's the simplest way that I can explain it. Mm. What I see people do sometimes is they'll take a risk where they can make $2, but if it goes against them, they can lose $8. It's like, so you're risking 80% of your account to make 20%. That's not smart. I like to risk 20% of my account to make another 80%, but that takes patience and that takes discipline. When you see a Tesla or something going up and you don't think it's coming back down, you all of a sudden that patience and discipline kicks in, you get to buy it at 300 bucks again, Mm -hmm. but look how long you have to wait for that opportunity. So I teach people to wait for that opportunity as well as look for it in other stocks until it comes back in the specific stock that you like. So it's not about getting married to a specific stock. It's about, is this opportunity available on Netflix? Is it available on Amazon? Is it available on Apple? And so you, you, you go and look for the next opportunity And then eventually you come back to the initial stock you like, which might be a Tesla, which may give you an opportunity to enter it. Mm.
2: Uh, Jason, uh, say you're somebody that has uh, a profitable business, like maybe J.C. Preston, and you're being pretty pretty (laughs) diligent about setting aside funds to take out his profits and not just baking those right back into your business. How could you convert the profits from that business into another revenue stream through investing?
0: So that's what I currently do now, right? So I take I pull the profits out of Power Trades University, which is my online platform. And I take that and then I roll it over into the stock market and say, you know, for example, we just came out of a trade where I was able to buy a thousand shares of Boeing stock. And so that cost me like $130,000, but Boeing ran up to about $230. so. Is literally an opportunity where you could turn $130,000 into $230,000. And so, and that was profit that was used from my business to fund the investments. And so it's really about taking that money and seeing what are the type, understanding what type of investor you are first. And then what type of trades or investments can I do that are possibly safe, safer, so that I uh, have a lower chance of losing all of that money. And then, you know, what kind of return can I get to make it worth it? Because I know as a business owner, you still have to grapple with oh, I could put this money into Facebook ads and I could, you know, get more leads and maybe get some more sales. But it's so important to start thinking about diversifying because I feel like I'm a better business owner. And I think most people will be when they can make money outside of their business, they're able to not have to operate out of this. I need somebody to buy something. I need someone to buy something. Should I run a promo? It's like, take it or leave it. I know I'm putting out my best stuff there and I'm able to passionately work there because I don't necessarily need it for money because I have this other thing going on. So it's really just about taking that money, identifying your investment style, and then looking for the opportunities that fit your style. So what I'm hearing you say is
2: actually investing in other companies with your profits can actually be even though you're putting it in what may be viewed as a a riskier type investment, it may be less risky than really investing it right back in your own company.
0: I mean, it could be. Just imagine if you're a business owner and you could bring in another $100,000 on the side in the stock market before COVID-19 hit. It, It would give you the sense that I'm okay. I know we'll reopen at some point but I don't have to worry about that right now because I can still feed my family. Can you imagine if you can generate all of your employees' salaries in the stock market, regardless if you got approved for a PPP loan or not? And so that's Mm. what we're talking about. That's the power of investing and having an alternative source that you can just literally log into a computer and just pull out cash and you don't have to ask anybody's permission you don't have to go to a boss and ask for a raise. You don't have to email your list and ask them to buy something. You literally can just look yourself in the mirror and say, how much money do I want to make today or this week? And if the opportunity is there, you take the calculated risk. And so I think that's a power position to be in, even if you have a successful business. That's good.
1: So you you just kind of popped up into uh, uh, one of the, the final questions here. And we always ask like, you know what? Do you, what are you excited about as as the this year goes on? And one of the things that you had mentioned was that um, again you could you could make money after COVID nineteen hit. And an example that you used was capitalizing on on Boeing, right? And so as we're kind of heading out, and and there's rumors or truths to the fed propping up you know the current index what are you forecasting personally as you'll do as as a potential recession hits or and or i mean for most people that are really knowledgeable about wealth they're looking forward to it because that's when they know they're going to buy low and you know it's just like what and then you got other people that are like, I'm gonna stay away from it until it kind of gets back on online, and then that's like the worst advice ever. So, what are some of the things that you're looking forward to in, in in your business and in the in the market?
0: So, what's what's beautiful about number one? My business is that we thrive whether the market is up or down. When the market is up, people want to get the knowledge to participate in it. When the market is down, people realize they didn't know as much as they think they knew. And so they're looking for the skills and the strategies um, to protect their income. So that's exciting to be in my business. I didn't need a PPP loan. Um, We actually did better during this economic downturn because more people wanted to learn how to protect their account or how to take advantage of it. So that's always exciting. I think as an investor, what I look forward to is We teach people how to make money no matter if the market's up or down. We use call options when the market's going up, and we use put options when the market's going down. So we can actually profit from companies doing bad and from stocks falling. So we don't necessarily have to wait from the fall and say, I'm going to buy low. We can make money all the way down as it's falling. And then we can also make money on the rebound all the way back up. And that really puts you in the position to where I'm proud to say it doesn't matter what the market does. I know how to make money from it. That's great. (laughs) This is my head exploding.
1: (laughs) 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 That's just like, what? That just threw me for a loop. So I'm sure that there's a lot of people that are going to be interested in learning
2: more about that for sure. That's right. Look in the show notes and, and there will be more information. So now it's time we have reached the part of our program where we call it the rapid fire questions, where the questions are quick. But the answers can be thoughtful. And so my first question for you, Jason, is what are three of your favorite and most influential podcasts
0: that you recommend to people? So when I think about my three favorite podcasts, uh, I have to shout out Pat Flynn from Smart Passive Income. That was one of the podcasts that really um, opened my eyes up to what's possible with online business. So Smart Passive Income from Pat Flynn Amy Porterfield's Online Marketing Made Easy was a podcast that really helped me. And notice none of these are stock market podcasts. These are <laughs> all like marketing uh, and business podcasts. And then Rick Mulready's podcast, he recently changed his podcast name. It was um, at the FB Advantage. That's the name of his course. But Rick's podcast, let me see here. It was... It was The Art of Paid Traffic. Now it's called The Art of Online Business. That's why it threw me off because he changed the name. But The Art of Paid Traffic, which is now The Art of Online Business, um, his podcast was one that really um, resonated with me.
1: Hmm. In the last several years, what's something that you've been good at saying no to and what realizations helped you with that?
0: So the last several years, I would say what I've been good at saying no to is my family. And the realization that has helped me with that is my family sometimes thinks that because I work from home, they there's this there's this thought process that I could just come out in the middle of the day and help them change a flat tire, or I can just run my mother to the grocery store, you know, because she needs something. And I realized the more I was stopping and helping with those little things. I was putting what allowed me to be in this position on the back burner. And I started to see kind of not necessarily revenue slide, but more so quality of content, quality of work slide because, oh, I didn't get a podcast out this week because I was on my podcast day. I stopped to run an errand for a family member. And so I really had to take a step back and say, if I really want to help my family, I have to say no so that I can continue to do the things that put me in this position so that i can truly help them with the things that really matter later or you know even if it is taken to a grocery store i can do that on a different day but i got to make sure i take care of the goose that's laying the golden eggs and that's the business my customers making sure i'm creating space for me to learn and make sure my mind is growing and i can't do that if when i was working i would never take off in the middle of the day when I had a corporate job to go do some of those things, then why now that I own a business do I feel or do they feel they can call me and I can just take off in the middle of the day? So I just had to make sure that I respected my business and to show them that they need to respect it too. So that was like my my aha moment. Like I wouldn't do this if I had a corporate job. So why am I treating my business like this?
2: So having healthy boundaries uh, with your family yeah. has been invaluable to you. And and so that's one good lesson but what's something else that maybe you've
0: learned recently that you're excited to implement? Okay, so here's what I've learned from a business standpoint. I'm really dialing in how to communicate with my customers and members. So we we're, we're really using we launched a Facebook group, but more importantly, that's not new. We're really using Facebook Messenger Um, to really dial in and get our message to people because email delivery has been down or you get put in the spam box. But when it also comes to email delivery, we're also testing using a, I forget what it's called, some type of like direct IP address, so not a shared IP, so that I'm Mm -hmm. not sharing the email server reputation that everyone has. We have our own reputation. And then we're also testing out a text messaging app that will allow us to directly text um, people who want to hear from us. So you might've seen like celebrities and stuff saying, hey, text me, it's my real number, stuff like that. Um, We've been looking into platforms like that to where we can directly text our customers and there is no spam box or a different box for text. That's going straight to your phone. So those are like the top three things I'm excited about. Facebook Messenger, trying a, a different email server with a dedicated IP address, and then launching our new text messaging service. Mm. It's tough.
1: Yeah, that's. Yeah, and and funny enough, I mean, even before we got on the show, it was just like, uh, you know, my email didn't make it to your inbox when you know when we were trying to set this up and mm-hmm. and get you online. And it's just like, okay, well, there's another example of email not doing its job anymore. So, next question: What's one thing every high school student
0: must know? One thing every high school student must know, I would say, is that the learning doesn't stop when you graduate. You know, some people graduate high school and they say, I'm never picking up a book again, or they end up getting to college and they say, once this is done, I'm never studying finance again, or whatever the case may be. And I want every college student to know that learning is a lifelong skill. Education is a lifelong thing. Can you imagine, if you're a college student listening, can you imagine that someone who graduated with a degree in marketing 10 or 15 years ago, can you imagine them saying, I'm done, I don't have to learn anything else? And then along (laughs) comes Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Instagram, right? And so can you imagine if they were still stuck in trying to send out mailers in the mail to reach people and they didn't want to learn how to run online ads through these social platforms (laughs) or learn how to go live? And so it's just an example of you're always going to have to learn. So get used to it. Stop looking at it as a bad thing, or I can't wait till it's done or it's over. I would say maybe look at it as you can't wait till you're done learning the stuff that's mandatory. So you can start learning the stuff that you're passionate about, but you will always have to learn if you want to get ahead or stay ahead in life. Hmm. That's powerful.
1: That's so true. So true. But it has to be stuff that is actually relevant to. The stuff, the direction that you're wanting to go and not hopefully stuff that other people put on your plate. That's, that's the key that I've learned about that.
0: Right. And that was my point. You can't wait to get done with the stuff that you're forced to learn in high school so you can start learning the stuff you want to learn, right? Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so what's it mean to uh, live a
1: life of, of abundance as, as a final question?
0: so to me living a life of abundance is having i call it the the pillars of wealth and that's having time money health family and your spiritual life in check if if one of those are out of check you're not living a life of abundance can you imagine if you're rich but you're not in touch with your god that you serve can you imagine if you go into church you're making all this money but you're coming home and you're beating your wife or kicking your kids or kicking the dog um can you imagine if you love your kids, you love your wife, you're going to church, you're making money but you are on a ventilator or you're having heart attacks cuz you're not eating right or you you can't walk up the stairs, you can't pick up your kids cuz you're so so to to me any of it, when any of those gets too far out of quote unquote whack um you're not living the life of abundance. So you want to be abundant, but abundant doesn't mean over-indexing in one of those. To me, it means making sure all of those are balanced. As as much as can be. There are seasons where you get out of balance, but as much as humanly possible, you want to be wealthy in all of those categories. Even if it means you're operating at 75% in all those categories. You don't want to be 200% in one and 10% in another, if that that makes sense. Hmm. It does. Yeah,
1: totally. Totally. Well, Jason, again, thank you uh, for spending some time with us today. Again, your website is thebrownreport.com. Where can people find you on the socials?
0: So... The brown is the best place because it'll link out to all my socials, but on Instagram, um, the at symbol Brown report on YouTube, um, youtube.com forward slash the Brown report, Facebook, facebook.com forward slash the Brown report. So literally everything, the Brown report is where they can find me Twitter at Brown report. Um, but if they just go to the main site, the it'll link out to all the social platforms. Excellent.
1: Excellent. Well, again, pleasure. And uh, yeah, looking forward to uh, maybe
0: learning some stuff from you down the road. Thank you.
2: Many happy returns.
0: <laughs> Absolutely. I appreciate you both having me on. I know we planned this a while back and I'm so glad we got a chance to make it happen.
1: So there you have it. Really insightful conversation with Jason there. And you know, he seems pretty transparent and personable. And I think that when it comes to learning a new skill from, from someone, that makes all the difference in the world, and since this conversation was recorded, uh, I've actually had the opportunity to listen to some of his content, and I have to admit, he has a quite a bit of really good free content on his YouTube channel. And speaking of, there are four videos of from that collection that we're gonna include into the show notes extras this session. So in the conversation, he spoke of two topics in particular. One was about his eight streams of income, and the other was specific in the basics of trading options uh, the second will come in the form of his series called money mondays which is his new weekly streaming show and then on top of those two i have him sharing how to use an app i think you'll appreciate if you're just getting into the stock market it's called Robinhood, and one of the cool features about it is that it'll actually let you trade in decimal quantities of stocks. So yes, you can actually get fractions of stock by using Robinhood. And then to wrap it up, I wanted to share with you his perspective on one of my favorite topics, The Cashflow Quadrant by Robert Kiyosaki. And this topic is something that I teach practically everyone that I do an in-person meeting with these days. And as we move forward, I think it's even more imperative that people understand uh, how finances really work. Uh, So be sure to check that out if you haven't had the opportunity to read Kiyosaki's second book or simply have no idea what I'm talking about when I mention quadrants in the blog or here on the show. Again, you can check those out in the other show notes at newinceptions.com 182. That said, what did you get from this session? Tag us on social media with any pointers you got. Would love to hear your thoughts on it or any of the videos in the show notes. So that's it for session 182, gang. Remember, if you use LinkedIn for business-to-business outreach, consider checking out Connected. It's a great way to automate your introductions and start building real relationships. So with that said, thanks for spending some time with us today. And until next session, dig in, have fun, and take care in whatever you're creating. And we'll see you here next time.
2: Thanks for listening to the Angles of Latitude podcast. Connect with us at home, at work, or on the go at facebook.com slash newinceptions, on Twitter at newinceptions, Instagram at new.inceptions, and on the web at newinceptions.com.